Thank you so much. Very kind. Well, my heart is, is full. I have so many different things to share with you, and I just feel like a sponge that God just wants to squeeze over you. And so let's see what happens today and, and tonight yet, and uh, trust the Lord for it. If you go with me to Isaiah chapter 65... Just go to the widest part of your Bible. You can come to Isaiah. And um, there's a little line in verse 22. It says, For as the days of a tree, so shall the days of my people be. As the days of a tree, so shall be the days of my people. We're very much like trees. There's a lot of similarities all through the Bible about our Christian life and the life of a tree. It's, it's really the same. Uh, the way God grows a tree is the way he grows people. Everything that God does, he starts small, starts in seed form, everything. Everything in the kingdom, just even watch Jesus teach about the kingdom, and he'll say, the kingdom is like a seed. The kingdom is like a man who sowed seed. There's power in the seed. We can't grow ourselves. The way I grow is I get a bunch of seed in me, and the, and the seed is what grows. It's, it's what changes, it, changes me and takes me places. If there's something that I want, I feel deficient in, if I can get some seed in that area, the seed... The power is in the seed. The seed will change what's going on inside of me. Uh, there's life that you cannot produce. There's life that comes from the Word of God. There's life that comes from the Spirit. You cannot grow a grape. You can't grow you. You were never intended to grow you. It's not a case of you pulling yourself up by your bootstraps and Slapping yourself alongside the head to get you to grow. It doesn't work that way. You get seed in that area. And in a church, if there's something that you want in the fabric of your life of a church, sometimes you have to sow to that for a year by the Spirit, by the Word. It's the combination of Word and Spirit that changes things. Where I live in New York, um, uh, we live on a, on a hill that's almost all orchard. It's cherries and apples. And up till just recently, if you drove up my hill to my house, you would see all these apple trees loaded with apples that didn't get picked from last year. And we call them craggers, and they're rusty red, and they, they hang on through the, the sleet and the snow, and sometimes they're ice-covered, and I've, I've pulled them off the tree. They're hard as a rock. They get that rusty red color, and the wind blows against it, snow blows against it, ice hangs from it, but they don't fall off. They just hang on all winter long. And then there's a moment. There's a moment when life from the roots begins to travel up through the trunk and goes out across the branch. 
It goes out on the very narrow part of the branch, and the moment that life touches the stem, they fall off. They fall off. So I'm just amazed that the wind, we have some pretty heavy winters, and it doesn't cause those old craggers to fall. It's the life that causes them to fall. And, and God does that with a habit. He does that with an attitude. He does that with a character, a weakness. It's the life. It's the life of the Spirit. It's the life that's in the seed. It's the life that's in the Word. It's not within us. It comes. But we can, we can yield to it. We can embrace it. We can call for it. We can submit to it. But the way we, we grow and the way a tree grows is so similar. If we were to cut down a tree, cut it in half, and then look and see, you can see the whole history of the tree. You can see where a fire got too close. You can see where a bullet grazed it. You can see where each ring represents a fat year or a, a hard year, or a hard winter, or a time of uh, real serious growth and a time of decline, very thin rings. You can actually read the life of that tree, how it grew, when disease maybe stunted its growth for a period of time. What if we cut you in half? What would we see? How would we see? We would see the same thing. We'd see where there's flush years where you just seem to abound and everything seems to happen, and we'd see years where their growth was marginal. We'd see where you're wounded. We'd see where you're healed. We'd see life. You can do that to a church because a church is no different than a man. In fact, when Jesus addressed churches, seven of them in the book of Revelation, he treated them as if it was one man. This church has character, has strengths, has weaknesses, has a calling, has a purpose, just like an individual. It's no different. It has great times and it has sometimes disease and sometimes some bullet holes. It's no different than a tree. A church, uh, when God wants to grow a tree, isn't it interesting in the language when we talk about church planting? It's planting. And it starts in seed form. I feel bad for the churches that have spurious, fast growth and then falls over. It, it can happen. One time I was walking by... a I'm praying around a person's property, and I just brushed this big plant. I just barely touched it. Just my coat touched it. And that thing fell over. I was so shocked because it looked so substantial. But there was nothing on the inside. It was all show. All show. No fruit. We had a tree fall recently, and I was surprised at how little root it had. It looked like a substantial tree but very little root growth. And it happens to people. It happens to houses, to homes. It happens to families. Your family goes through seasons, just like an individual. A church goes through seasons, just like an individual. You can't stop it. It's a fact of life. It's how God grows us. If it was up to me, you know, the whole Christian life is seasonal. But if it was up to me, 
I would be in full harvest all the time. I love fruit. I love, I love bounty. I love, we've got a neighbor's peach tree. It gets so heavy with fruit, he has to prop it up with a stepladder. And I look at that and I think, uh, there's a part of me that wants that kind of life, a fruitful Christian life. But just last year, the tree didn't get propped up and it broke, it split right in half. Do you think God would do that to a church or to a person? Yes, it happens. We can actually see it in the Bible. We can see where there is so much fruit that it sank, the, it sank the disciples' boat. Would God do that? Well, ask Peter, James, and John. He did it. If it was up to me, I think I would be in fruitfulness, harvest all the time. Except, except I have memories of when I was a boy, we'd go back to my grandfather's farm and get involved in the the hay season, and I just remember everything was, everything was set aside, everything for normalcy, normal hours, normal pace, and it was just a hurried, busy time because the harvest had to get in. If we, and if we didn't get it in and the rain came or it was too late, it would be, it'd be a mess. It would wreck something. Something would suffer because of it. I noticed with harvest... And anything God does, there's three phases. There's unripen, ripen, and rotten. And you better get in when it's ripe. If I was in charge of my life, I would be in harvest all the time, which means flat out, busy, picking, gathering. And God knows me, and he says, no, that's not what I want for you. I want you to be balanced. I want you to... I want you to have real uh, fruit and fruit that remains, fruit that lasts, fruit that glorifies him. So what he does is he allows other seasons in my life. The next season after harvest is called winter. And where we are, it looks barren. It looks bleak. You feel sorry for the trees all stripped of the color that we just saw, all stripped of the glories, of the glorious yellows and oranges and reds. And it just looks barren. It looks dead. It looks dead. The Lord's been speaking to me, and he's saying that season is essential for harvest. It's essential for fruit. In fact, where we are, we have... Um, because we have such extreme hard winters, we have an abundance of hard wood. We have an abundance of trees that are useful for furniture making. People come in, they want all of our cherry trees for, for veneers. I mean, we have, we have uh, bowling pin alleys, our bowling pin factories that produce lanes and, and bowling pins because we have a special wood that grows where the winters are the more extreme. It makes for a harder wood. It makes it for a more useful wood. There's some of us who would like a soft, easy, comfortable life, but then you're useless. God can't use you the same. It's when we endure hardness. It's, it's when we go through season after season that we become more valuable for his use. We can be used many different ways. Winter. 
We don't like it. But the Lord says it, it's actually, it's a, the reason for winter is for fruitfulness. It's a time of putting down serious roots. I remember back in the 1970s, uh, we could get people saved just, just by buying gas, pumping gas, going to a restaurant. People were so hungry. We got people saved so easy. Every day we got people saved. Every day we got people filled with the Spirit. The miraculous, you could go to a meeting any night of the week, anywhere, and see the miraculous, an amazing period of revival. And then the 80s hit. And all of a sudden, it just became a barren, lean time. And we lost a lot of Christians. The only ones who could survive the 80s, the early 80s especially, were anyone who got deep in the word. They put their roots down. They didn't go by their feelings. They didn't go by their eyes. They went with what God's word said. If they didn't do that, they didn't make it. We lost a lot of Christians because anybody can grow during a revival. Anybody. But not everybody can grow during winter where you have to put down roots. Winter is a fact of life. It's a season for churches. It's a season for families. It's a season for Christians' life. You have to know your season. To everything, there is a season. And I would pass winter altogether if it was up to me. Springtime, I like it. Right now, springtime, here I just notice also the fields are beautiful. I see you got buds. You're ahead of us. But springtime is a glorious time. It's short, but I like the new life. It's kind of like a newness of life season. I would, love a, a, I would love if springtime lasted six months, but it doesn't. I, if, if it was up to me, I'd have six months of springtime and six months of fall. That's what my life would look like. I'd go from bud to berry right off the bat. But there's a season called summer. And summer looks flatlined. It looks like nothing's happening. It's all leaves, little maybe green starts of something. But winter, winter's a long time, but summer's a, a really long time. And, and it doesn't look like a lot is happening. It's a lot of waiting, waiting, and waiting. And then suddenly, there's harvest. The Christian life, he says, as the days of a tree, so shall the days of my people be. The Christian life has seasons. Churches have seasons. Homes have seasons. And you can't just put it on cruise control, lock it in, and just keep one season and just go. And if you try to do your Christian life like that, you'll be so disappointed with the changes that God puts you through because he's after fruit. He wants to grow you. There's no such thing as everything nice and tidy. We lock it in, take our hands off, and just stay, stay with, that one, with that one thing all the time. It's impossible. It's not the way God grows anything. To everything, there is a season. In fact, uh, there's a powerful picture in the book of Revelations in chapter 22 uh, where he describes the tree of life. 
You'll see it. If you died tomorrow, you would see it, just like John saw it. And John stepped back. He had never seen a tree like this. It had different kinds of fruit, 12 different kinds of fruit, and 12 seasons. the, The tree was actually growing seasonally at the same time on different parts of the tree is the way I picture it. I picture one part of the tree in winter and another part of the tree in and, and every month, it would go through the cycle, which normally would take 12 months down here. And in a month, it would go through its entire cycle. It's conceivable that there's 12 parts to that tree, 12 different kinds of fruit, all in different seasons at different times. And I thought, man, that's my life. I, I scrambled, and I got a piece of paper, and I began to write out the major parts of my life. And I started writing it out, the big, the big parts of my life. And there happened to be 12. And I wasn't trying to be super spiritual. I wasn't trying to be mystical. It just turned out that there are 12 major parts of my life. And I realized in this part of my life, I'm in fruitfulness. In this part of my life, I'm barren. In this part of my life is springtime. I see new growth. This part of my life is as dead as winter. Other parts of my life are gloriously colorful and, and, and looks like something's happening. People are, are attracted to that part of my life. And then there's other parts of my life. It just looks absolutely dormant. I wish if I had control of my own life, I would have all those 12 seasons in full, full foliage, full fruitfulness all the time. Everything all the time. Full bore. <laughs> If I was growing me, I would use a fire hose. God says, I'm going to use a garden hose. See, because there's parts of me, I want want the forcefulness. I want to be impacted. I want to be changed. I want it all. I want it full bore. And he says, "Ah, I'm a gardener. I think differently than you. I'm thinking longevity. I'm thinking long term. I'm thinking generationally. I'm thinking... I'm thinking differently than you. You're thinking for the moment. I'm thinking for seasons to come. And so he waters us, and he uses a garden hose, and it's slow and soft and deliberate. John 15, one of the revelations Jesus brought us was that the father is a husbandman. He's a farmer. He's a gardener. He's a horticulturist. He knows how to grow us. And he says, you know, if, I wanna, if I'm pleased, what I do is I, I cut you back. I think I've shared this here before. I cut you back to nothing. It's called pruning. If I'm displeased, I cut you back to nothing. It's called punishment. And you can't hardly tell the difference. They're both painful. They're both humiliating. They're both embarrassing. One, he says, you were so fruitful. You, I was so pleased with the yield that I've decided I want to take you to another level of effectiveness. And the only way, listen now, the only way to get there is through pruning. It's the only way. I don't like that. (laughs) I don't want to hear that. I want to go from fruitfulness to fruitfulness. And he says, yeah, but there's this thing called pruning where I cut you back to zilch. I cut you back to nothing. Because I know how to grow you. 
And there's no way to get you another, to another level of effectiveness. There's no way to get you to another level of fruitfulness. Sometimes I'll prophesy like a house on fire, and then other times there's nothing. It's zero. I feel like it's on the shelf. I feel like there's nothing happening. But when it comes back off the shelf, it's more effective. It's more razor sharp. It's, it's, it's powerful. And then I go back to zero again. If it was me, it would be full bore all the time for everyone. And God says, Who want, who's in charge of your life? Who's, who's the husbandman here, you or me? Can he grow you and you not quit the process? Can he prune you and you not quit? A friend of mine invited me to come help prune his orchard. I'd never done it before. I, I love John 15, the, the whole story of pruning, and, and so I wanted to get in on it. I wanted to try it. So I went to his orchard, and he's working on one tree. He assigned me another tree. I'm over there, and I'm, I'm, I'm working on it almost like I was giving it a haircut, like a stylist. I wanted it to be symmetrical. I wanted it to be shaped nicely. I wanted it to, to look good. He came stomping over. He says, no, 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 no. That's not how you prune a tree. This is how you prune a tree. And he went at that tree with a with couple different in, implements, and I was embarrassed for the tree. I almost cried for the tree. It looked so homely. It looked so ugly. It looked awful. It looked painful. I thought, why would you do that to a tree? Don't you like the tree? Well, he loves the tree. It's a good tree. He says, this is one of my more fruitful trees. Hallelujah. Do we get an amen out there anywhere? You know, if you were in charge of your life, you'd be making and spending full bore. You'd be, you'd be going in 10 different directions at once. You'd be just gobbling it up. And then all of a sudden, you hit a wall. And the Lord says, now let me, let me just grow you. Let me grow you. Can I grow you? Can I grow you and you not quit? Can I grow you and you don't quit? There's no way that you have one season of life that looks the same and feels the same all the time. It doesn't exist. <laughs> Let me tell you something encouraging. Here's how, the, here's how the Lord grows me. I'll have an area that I'm struggling in. Say it's my prayer life. I told him one time, I said, I don't like to pray. I don't like this whole prayer business. I told him that one time, and he said, I don't like it either. And then what he meant by that was that he can't wait for us to be able to talk face to face. This whole thing of praying by faith is not easy. There's so much lost in communication that way. But it's the way it is. It's what we have now. But I'll struggle in my, whole, in my prayer life. I just can't seem to hardly pray, and I'll cry out to the Lord, and I'll say, Lord, would you, would you help me with this area? And I'll start putting seed there. I'll start... Uh, looking at books on prayer. I'll start going in the Bible on prayer. I'll submit myself, say, Lord, I, this area is 
weak. It's, it's just struggling. And he'll speak to me. And all of a sudden, I just come alive in that area. And, it, and I'll grow. I'll, I'll, I'll be able to pray. And, and, I, and I begin to love it. And I begin to be faithful in it, be disciplined in it. And I get around. And then I, start, I, get, I go on the strength of what he said back here. And I'll go on that for a while. And then I come around, and I start losing it. And I lose it. And I can't pray. And I can hardly be disciplined at all. I'm struggling with it, and I'm humiliated because he spoke to me. And I come back to him and said, Lord, I hate to even tell you this, but I can't pray. I can't pray unless you strengthen me, unless you do something, unless you help me. I, and I feel so bad because you spoke to me. And I went on the strength of that for some time, but I've lost it. Lord, speak again. Do something again. And he does. And he starts to show me something again. And I, 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 next thing you know, my prayer life becomes more steady and more vibrant. It gets stronger and stronger. And it comes around. And then it starts to fail. And it starts to faint. It starts to weaken. It starts to, I lose it. I can't hardly pray to save my life. And I come back around to barrenness to nothing again. And I say, Lord, here I am. I'm ashamed to, to say this because you spoke to me. You gave me something. And finally, he said, enough of this. Enough of this. Can't you see? This is how I'm growing you. It's not like this where I just keep growing upward and onward, continuous, long, steady arch of growth. It doesn't grow that way. The way I grow is more like a tree. It's like a ring a year where I go on the strength of that, and I come around, and I ne I'm needy again. I need him again. I, I can't do it in my own ability, and I lose the power to do it. And then he, he graces me with something fresh, fresh water, fresh perspective, fresh seed, fresh power. And next thing you know, I'm praying again. I'm going around. And it doesn't matter. It could be an area of temptation that I'm struggling with. And I'll go on the strength of that. It could go on. It could be a prophecy. There's no gift. I've never had a gift that's full bore all the time. I'll prophesy and then I'll lose it. I'll pray for the sick and then I'll lose it. And I go back and say, Lord, I was praying for the sick and it was so effective, but now I'm back to zero again. Would you help me? Would you grace me? And he inspires me afresh. And next thing you know, I'm, I'm back at it and it seems stronger than before. And then I come around. He said, well, you just look, just look. This, you're actually growing. Don't discount what happened before you're building on, on those rings. You're, you're, it's circular. Your whole life is circular. There's rings. Look at you're growing. It's not, like, it's not like you're truly back to zero again. You never really fully come back to zero. It's, it's, it's circular, like, like a tree. And when I saw that, this condemnation was broken off of me because I thought I was a failure of a Christian for not being able to sustain it for the long arch. He said, you're growing. You're growing. It's good to come back to barrenness. It's good to come back where you come back to the end of yourself where you can't grow anything. Martin Luther, he said, every Christian should go out and sin a big sin every now and again. I thought, why would he say that? And then he says, because we need to come back to a place where we realize it's all by grace. It's us. And I'm not advocating that. Neither is Martin Luther. He doesn't want you to do that. But there's something about coming back to a place where you say, Lord, I can't grow me. I can't, but you can. 
I don't have it within me, but you have it. There's something about coming back where, where we get so far out there, it's like a branch with lots of fruit on it, and after a while you think it's you. And you look down at other people who aren't growing the kind of fruit you're growing, and you say, they've got nothing, but look at me, I'm just bulging, I'm hanging, my bough is heavy with fruit because I'm, I know the formula, I've got a system, I know what works, you do this, you do that, and you get fruit. They don't know that. If they only knew what I knew. And then all of a sudden he brings out the shears and you go back to zero again. You don't want anyone to see it. And you just say, I'm not growing these days. There's something about being honest to God that releases grace. <laughs> you can't grow you. We can't grow a church. You can read books about it. You can read the science of it, the... The studies that from Fuller, you can, you can study from every different angle. You cannot grow a church. <clears throat> you can't even grow your family if you stop and think about it. It's the seed. It's the seed. It's the seed. They found a squirrel's nest in Siberia. They were digging in the permafrost. They're looking for tusks, mammoth tusks. They got down deep. Permafrost, it's so hard. It's just like rock. And they get down in there, and they were digging in. They got down in there, and they come up. They found a squirrel's nest. And they put it in a, 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 a chest, a cooler, and took it to a lab, and they, they very carefully unraveled it, and there's all these different seeds in the nest. And very gently, under, under incredible conditions, they re-germinated those seeds and saw plants that hadn't seen the light of day for thousands of years. Do you know why? Because God spoke. God spoke in Genesis, God spoke and said, the life is in the seed. The power is in the seed. They'll have power to procreate. It's in the seed. What are you sowing? What are you sowing in you? What are you sowing in your church? What are you sowing in your family? There's power in the seed. It's the word by the Spirit. Get the word into it. Speak the word into it. Pray, prophesy, proclaim. Get the word into it. That's where the power is. Everything God does involves seed. The kingdom requires seed. You're awfully quiet. You're looking at me like I have two heads up here. Are you okay? <clears throat> Are you growing? You know, you could actually be growing in one area of your life and the other area be absolutely barren. And you could resent that. You could chafe against it and say, boy, I wish my whole life was, was like this. But that's the way my life is. I look like that tree of life. I've got 12 different kinds of fruit. There's seasons that are happening all at the same time in me. There's times in our church... I, I, I was never so embarrassed. Our, 
Our church was a, it was just a little church. And we were poor. But we loved giving. We were a giving people. And it wasn't much, but for our scale, where we were at, it was something. And we gave, and it was like $100 a month here and $100 a month there to this missionary. And, and, and they would come through to our church, and we, they, knew, they knew how poor we were. They knew the condition that we're in. It wasn't the amount. It was the heart behind it. And we would treat them royally, and we couldn't afford to give them a lot of money, but we could give them a, a cabin by a lake. We could give them, someone had a cottage that we could treat them to and give them a family vacation, and we would look for ways. Our, our, our women could cook, and so we would cook for them and love them up one side and down the other, and they, they loved coming to our church because we didn't just use them. We gave, we blessed, we used hospitality. It was royal, wonderful stuff. But there, we reached this point where we couldn't give. It just seemed like the money stopped. And, and I had to write letters for the first time in my ministry. I had to write letters saying, dear brother so-and-so, I know you've come to expect every month the same check, but I can't explain it, but we're so embarrassed to have to tell you that we don't have the money. And when it comes back around sometime, we'll pick it up again, but we're sorry. And it was so painful for me to write those letters. It was humiliating for me to have to write those letters. I took a pay cut, serious pay cut. Uh, other things, programs and things that we've always just done had to stop. And I shared with the congregation, I said, I don't know what's going on. I don't know whether this is the devil. I don't know whether this is God or if this is our stupidity. I don't know. Here's, where, here's what I learned. If it's God, here's how you respond. Because he does chasten his people. and There is pruning. There, there, that does happen. If it's God, you raise both hands and you worship him in the midst of it. And you say, Lord, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. Show me. Give me perspective. Speak to me. That's how you respond if God's dealing with you. If it's the devil dealing with you, here's what happens. You raise both hands and you say, Lord, I submit to you. I worship you in the midst of it. Give me perspective. Speak to me. I'm yours and I submit to him. If it's my own stupidity, my own mistake, my own carnality, something I've done, I brought this upon myself, the only response is to raise both hands and say, Lord, I worship you in the midst of this. I trust you. Give me perspective. Speak to me. Help me to learn from this. So I got into that mode of, of worshiping because I'm a worshiper. And I'm a repenter. If I've gotten anywhere in this life as a Christian, it's because I'm a, I'm a good repenter. I just keep coming back to God and say, I can't, I can't, but you can, you can. I called an old pastor out in Michigan, and we were talking. I don't know why I was calling him at the time now, but, but uh, he said, how's it going out there? And I had this moment where I could just say, well, it's going good. You know, everything's good. Or I could get honest. And I said, well, to tell you the truth, we're in the most difficult time, just a different time. It just feels like, it feels like 
nothing's growing, and it just feels like we don't, we don't have money. We don't have the means to do what we normally do. And I just acknowledged that. I admitted that to him. And he listened. And he said, Penn, I feel like the Lord is saying that, that he's pruning you. Well, I'd never thought of that. I mean, I was just heaping condemnation on myself that I had done something wrong. There's got to be something wrong in me. There's something, something God's trying to fix. And, and the idea that he says, you know, he's so pleased with what you've been doing that he decides to take you to another level. And the way to get there is a thing called pruning. Well, it was like a shaft of life. Light came upon me, and life began to happen, and I can't tell you, I can't tell you. I couldn't wait to get off the phone, and I could have just done a jig right there. I gathered my board together, and I said, it's pruning. We're being pruned. It's pruning. Hallelujah, it's pruning. It was such a relief, such an amazing relief. You know, and for the next little while, nothing changed. The income didn't change. The Finances didn't change. And then we went to an entirely different level. Incredible effectiveness. And I'd like to be able to stand in front of you and say, and it, went out, and it was never the same after that. We stayed there. Well, that's not true. Because he's, he's a husbandman. He's a good gardener. He knows how to plant us. I'll meet Christians, and, and they'll be out there, and they, they, they've left the church, and, and they're not going anywhere at all. And I'll say, now, how did you get here? And they said, God put me here. And I said, I doubt it. They said, why would you say that so, so frankly like that? I said, because he's a good gardener. He would never do that to a plant. You would never do that to a plant, especially a plant you love. What you do is you prepare a hole over here, and you put a little water in it and a little dung in it, and then you go and you dig the the plant up and you transfer it and you put it in the hole. You don't even wait a minute. Then you pat it down, you water it because you love the plant. You want it to do good. There's no way that he'd leave you out in the parking lot out there in the sun. No soil, no water. A, a good gardener would never do that. Could he move you from one place to another? He does. He does. If, if you're not growing here, and I, I'll just say it, take a liberty if I can. If you're not growing here, he could move you to someplace else where the dynamics will force you to grow, either through contrary people or people who rub you the wrong way or uh, people who have grace that you don't have. He could grow you. He moves people. See, he looks at it. It's all his kingdom. It's all his church. He could move you from one place to another. And I, if, if you're not able to give or receive, maybe he'll take you and put you in a place where you can give and receive because that's how we grow. But there are people who get fed up and they throw down the shovel and they, they've dug themselves up and they've, they've moved themselves out. And, and I feel bad for them because there's no life in that. There's no life in it. It'll set them back. We moved some cherry trees last year, and they said it's going to take three years. They had cherries on them, but just in the process of moving them, they said, don't expect to see a single cherry for three years. Just in the moving. He says, my people, as the days of a tree, so shall the days of my people be. Your tree. 
your tree, whether you want to be it or not. Is this helpful at all? I don't even know what I'm talking about or how it applies to you. I just know it's true, and it's true for me. And it's true for you somehow. Let's stand together. Why don't we respond this way? Whatever you're going through, why don't you just raise your hands right now. If you're going through a bountiful time, raise your hands. If you're in barrenness or somewhere in between, why don't you raise your hands and just worship the Lord. Say, Lord, thank you for growing me. Thank you for growing me. It's funny, the more condemnation you heap on yourself, the more negative you get. Your antenna goes down and you don't hear from God. It's when the hard things happen and you raise your hands and you worship him in the middle of the swirl and all the debris and all the stuff that's happening and you worship him in the midst of it that you'll hear from him. Why don't you just raise your hands? Say, Lord, I let you grow me. I want you to grow me. I can't grow me, but you can. Dung me up. Do whatever it takes. Just don't leave me where I'm at. I want to grow. I want to I wanna produce for your glory. I want to glorify you. I want something that will remain. Go ahead. Just worship him. Say, Lord, I need perspective. Speak to me. Show me. Teach me. Walk with me in this season or seasons that I'm in. Speak to me. There's some of you, you're like in, in those corn mazes where you're, you don't know where to go. You can't get out. But there's a corrugated pipe that you can speak into and someone who's up on a ladder that can overlook in the field and they can give you a perspective that you don't have. Call out. Call out to him. Say, Lord, just show me. I'll, I'll do anything. I'll endure anything. I just need to know what you're doing. I need perspective. Would you show me? James said, if any man lack perspective, let him ask of God and he will give it to him generously without finding fault. If any man lack perspective, he will give it to him generously. Lord, say, say, Lord, I need perspective. I need perspective. I need a, I need a generous amount these days. You're not going to shame me. You're not going to blame me. You're not going to say, you made your bed, now sleep in it. Let me see what you see. Let me see through your eyes. Let me see me through your eyes. Let me see us through your eyes. This church is going through something. It's different, and you're going to have to have perspective. You can get it. You can go to God. He'll speak to you. Pray for your leadership that they get perspective. Father, grow us. Change us. Take us through seasons. Take us through changes, oh God for your glory, for your honor. We worship you. We praise your name. If you're here today and, and you need a touch from God in your body, 
in your mind, you're weary, you're worn. If that's you and you have the humility to say that in front of people, God gives grace to the honest. If, you, if you're in need, you come to the front. I'll take time to pray for you. All right? God bless you. Father, thank you for this church, for this people. Thank you for my friends that are in this place. Bless them. Shine your face upon them. Shine your face upon them. Bring them peace. In Jesus' name. Amen.